Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our pastor, Mike Ware. We're talking about this morning taking off the bib, okay? Um, I couldn't find a bib that fit me, so I just grabbed a towel, all right? Uh, but taking off the bib, my favorite bib is the one that has a lobster on it that you get at a, a seafood restaurant, amen? Okay, yeah, we, we, we can get a dilly-dilly on that, can't we? So uh, uh, that, that's kind of the, the, the way it works. And, uh, so, but the, the, the point of the sermon today is when you're wearing a bib, that means you're a child. It means that you uh, are, are, are having to be fed yourself. And, and what the point of the sermon is today is it's time to take off that bib and put on the apron of service. Okay, that, that, that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. We're talking about what we are for, all right? And uh, we are for people serving. And I want you to understand why we're for people serving. So as we're getting started, I want to tell you, when I write a sermon, I write lots of sermons. And uh, I'm beginning to do something a little bit different. And there's a lot of supplemental material that I've written that didn't make it today. And if you go to my website, lifeisadjustable.com, you'll find those, okay? Okay, so you'll have some extra things to look at and some more reasons why we serve. The first thing I would tell you today as we begin to think about serving is this. We find it in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 11. This is going to tell us why we want to serve. And the interesting thing here is it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, okay, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that. And we're going to get to that so that. My job as a pastor, my job as a teacher, my job as an evangelist is to equip people to serve. I think we probably should not be counting the number of rears in the seat, but the number of people serving if we want to get a good idea of what's happening in the church. And now let's, let's get to the so that part. Let's go on to the next part of this verse. So that the body of Christ may build, be built up. When we get to the works of service, the body of Christ gets stronger. It, it, it is the, the exercise that gives us the muscle to do what God would have us to do. And, and then it tells us there, until we all reach the unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God. When we serve, we become unified. When we have a common purpose, we become unified. We get after it. And we work together, and it becomes a unity of knowledge, a unity of faith. And let's keep on reading, and we come mature, become mature. You and I, when we do works of service, we mature. If you show me a church that's squabbling and fighting, I will show you a bunch of whiny babies that haven't matured because they haven't gotten to the work of serving. I don't know. Any, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I hope you know that. But, but, but that's how it works. When you and I begin to serve, we mature. And then the last part of this verse, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When you and I serve, we become Christ-like. Matthew 20 says that Christ came to serve. And if I want to be like Christ, I serve. You know, we're a sitting people, aren't we? At home, what do we do? We sit and we watch TV. We go to school, we go to college, and what do we do? We sit and we learn. We go to, 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 to a sporting event, and what do we do? We sit. 
okay? Really, everything we do involves sitting. And I think that's why the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 10 and 24, he says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The reason I'm talking to you today about service is that's what this church is about. And what I want to do today is to spur you on towards love and good deeds so that you'll become more Christ-like, so that you'll become mature, so that the body of Christ will get stronger and we can do amazing things in this community. And so that's where we're going to begin today. I want you to understand, I'm going to talk about service, and I'm going to use a story from Mark 2. Mark 2, and it's going to be starting in verse 1, but this is, this is what I want you to understand as we look at this story. We're going to see four guys that, that take off the bib and serve, and God uses them in an amazing way. So let me tell you what the sermon in the sentence is today. When we take off the bib and put on the apron to serve, we release the miracle working power of Jesus. When we take off the bib and put on the apron to serve, we release the miracle working power of Jesus. Okay, that's it. Mark 2, and, 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 and we'll start in verse 1 there. We're going to see these four guys. They carry a guy on a mat, not a stretcher, a mat. They just grab a corner and they carry him to, to this place where Jesus is, but they can't get to Jesus. So they go in and they cut up a hole in the roof and they drop him down in front of Jesus. And because those guys, those guys served, the miracle working power of Jesus was released. And I believe that God is still doing that today. Okay? So let's jump in. And it says there, Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. The first thing I'd have you to understand today, and this is important, is that people bring people to Jesus. People bring people to Jesus. That's how it works. I never will forget when we came up to visit the church. Uh, you, you'll see what I saw when I first came. Uh, that's, uh, the, the church is going to be built right up here. And this is what I was hearing all the time. People are saying, if we build it, they will come. If we build it, they will come. Now, that's, from the, that's from the field of dreams, and it's a bad uh, quote because it's, if you build it, he will come. But they were quoting it like it was Scripture. And I knew I had my work cut out for me. Because, see, there's this, this idea, well, if we build a magnificent place, what's going to happen? People will come. That ain't the way it works. If you go through the book of, uh, of Mark, if you go through the book of Matthew, if you go through the book of Luke, what you see is people bringing people to Jesus. But we think it works this way. Let's just say I decide I'm going fishing. And, I, and I, I get my fish tank, and I make it look really pretty on the inside and out. I go to our lake lot, and I set that fish tank down on the dock, and I wait for the fish to jump in. Ain't going to work. Same thing with us, folks. The only way, the only way that it works is when people go to people and bring them to Jesus. I, I heard this a number of years ago. Relationships are the bridge the gospel travels. Relationships are the bridge that the gospel travels. Have you got that? 
When you and I build relationships, what we do is we get an open door to share Jesus Christ with somebody. I got some statistics for you here. Uh, 82% of people say they would probably come to church if somebody invited them. 82% of people, when, when Barna uh, surveyed, they said, 82 people said, 82% of people said, you know what? I would probably come if somebody would invite me. You know that less than 4% of Christ followers ever invite somebody to church. You see, the problem isn't the harvest. The problem is that we don't have enough harvesters. And I believe serving begins when we understand that people bring people to Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 9. He said to them, his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You see, the problem isn't the harvest. The problem is having the harvesters. And we're looking for people that will bring people to Jesus. Are you with me here? Okay, let's keep on reading in Mark. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. The second thing that you need to understand, and the first one was people bring people to Jesus. But the second one is that we are going to have to overcome some obstacles in bringing people to Jesus. Can I just tell you this, in case you don't know it? If you're bringing people to Jesus, you're going to have problems. There's going to be opposition. There are going to be people that are pulling the other direction because Satan doesn't like it when you and I bring people to Jesus. And he's going to oppose us in whatever way that he can. Jesus told us that. He said, if you're standing for me, you're going to be persecuted. So we know that is going to happen. I like what Rick Warren said. He says that there is no such thing as an opportunity without opposition. There is no such thing as an opportunity without opposition. And I want you to understand, if you and I are about, if you and I are about bringing people to Jesus, we're going to have some problems. I want you to understand, God never said it would be easy. But he did say this. He says, I will be with you. In fact, in Hebrews 10, he says there, he says, I will never leave nor forsake you. I will never leave nor forsake you. We're going to hit obstacles. There are going to be people that come against us when we try to tell others about Jesus There are going to be things that happen. You're going to say, well, I guess that's just a coincidence. No, that's Satan working against you. Because why? You're bringing people to Jesus. So this is where it starts. People bring people to Jesus. And when you're doing that, expect some obstacles, but know that Jesus is with you. Let's keep on reading in Mark. When Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. We started with people, bring people to Jesus. You're going to have to overcome some obstacles. And now it's about the wild-eyed faith that we're going to need to have to get it done. I I think about these guys, and and in case you're wondering, uh, P... O-W, that's power is what we're talking about here. And we're going to release the miracle power of Jesus. But it's going to take some wild-eyed faith. These guys were taking this guy on the mat. They each had grabbed a corner. They're carrying him. They get there and they can't get in. And they say, well, we got to find a way. 
And we believe that Jesus can heal him. And so we're going to find a way. If we have to knock down people, if we have to knock down walls, if we have to go through the roof, we'll do it. That's wild-eyed faith. Because they were trusting so much, they were going to find a way. Do we believe that Jesus Christ saves? And if we do, why aren't we doing something about it? We need the type of faith that they have, that wild-eyed faith that moves us, that convicts us, that brings us to the point of doing what Jesus Christ tells us to do. Wild-eyed faith. I love college students. We were praying. And uh, there were about six of us. And uh, we were praying at our, our, our ministry house down at FSU. And, and uh, we, we were praying, we were particularly praying for two of our guys that were going through some stuff. And uh, we were on our knees. And then the, the, the topic turned to the pot bellies. And you may have heard of it. It's the bar about 100 yards from where we were. And uh, so we're praying. And we're praying, and then we begin to pray against pot bellies. And, you know, we were saying, Lord, uh, shut this place down. Because I tell you, some terrible things happened there. Some wives were ruined. And when we said amen, Mark Hamilton jumped up. And he said, let's go take pot bellies for Jesus. I love that. I love that. We need that type of wild-eyed faith that convicts us to get up off of our rear ends and get out and do what Jesus says. Are you with me? This is the hard part. Because it's no longer about sitting, but it's allowing our faith to drive us to do what God would ask us to do. Let's keep on reading. It tells us there, now to him, no, okay, we'll go on to the next one. There we go. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that, that, that what they were thinking, the, the, the scribes and Pharisees were there thinking, you can't forgive sins. And, and Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. People bring people to Jesus. You know that. That's the only way that it works. We're going to have to overcome obstacles. It's going to take some wild-eyed faith. But this is what I really want you to understand here, is that we got to expect, we got to expect God to work. we got to expect God to work. The, the important thing that I think that maybe we read over when we see this, it says that Jesus saw their faith. Did you catch that? Jesus saw their faith. And what was it that triggered the miracle? Their faith triggered a miracle. Because they were willing to bring a man. They were willing to chop a hole in the roof. They were willing to do whatever it takes. They expected God to do something. Do you expect God to do something? 14 years ago, um, a friend of mine was diagnosed with uh, advanced stage prostate cancer. I, I remember gathering around him. His prayer was that he would see his daughter graduate from high school. And I, I remember the elders and a few friends had gathered around him, and we were praying and uh, we were praying. We were doing what God said. We anointed him with oil. 
and we prayed. And the guy next to me prayed. He said, Lord, help, help Michael cope. Help Michael cope with this. I looked over there, and I'll tell you what my thought is. How did you get to be an elder? Okay. What I prayed next is, Lord, we don't need coping. We need healing. Okay. We don't need to be able to cope with it. Father, what we need is healing. And you know that if I pray for you and you've got a disease, I pray for healing. I don't pray for coping. Why? Because I still believe that my God is in the business of healing people. I spoke to that elder afterward, and I just simply said to him, I said, man, I, I think we got to pray for healing, not coping. He says, well, I can't pray, because what if God doesn't answer? I said, well, if God doesn't answer, he's got something better in store for him. I promise you that. But I think we've stopped expecting God to do great things. It's time that we begin to expect God. The verse that came up there just a minute ago, it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. You know what? I, I imagine a, a city of Milledgeville where the churches are all working together to rid this place of poverty. And I've asked God for that. I imagine Northridge Christian Church being a force that makes Satan mad. And I've asked God for that. And I'm expecting God to do that. It's when we stop expecting that we become dead. And the church can't do what the church is supposed to do. One more thing I want you to see. The power, this power that we're talking about, this miracle working power that talks about, it happens when people begin to bring people to Jesus. They work through the obstacles and they have that wild-eyed faith and they expect God. But this is really the key. The last thing is when we begin to do those things, when we begin to serve in that way, we're going to rewrite history and eternity for people. Can you imagine that guy that day? He had his sins forgiven. That's the biggie, okay? And then he walked out of there. His past was forgiven and his future was changed. You know, when I serve, when I serve, the miracle working power of God works through me and I have that same ability that Jesus had. When I talk to somebody about Jesus, I can wipe out their past and set them on a whole new path for eternity. I was 18 years old. I went to work for my summer job at Lake Aurora Christian Camp. There, there's the sign. And, uh, and I got assigned to dorm number four. I was on the waterfront, but the guys in dorm number four were mine. And dorm number four was the farthest from the camp, okay? And that's where all the troublemakers went. I know that because that's where I went when I went to camp there, okay? Because it was the farthest from the camp. It was a Sunday afternoon, the very first Sunday afternoon of the summer. And, and I had been cleaning up the waterfront at dinner time. And I was running down to change clothes so that I could go to dinner. Everybody else was already there. And as I got to the dorm door, I got there and, and I smelled cigarette smoke. And I said, oh, great. Because campers weren't supposed to be smoking. So I walked around the end and, and there was Fred. And I said, Fred, we don't allow cigarettes here. You can't smoke here. I'm going to need your cigarettes. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a knife. And he says, you're going to have to take these from me. <laughs> I'd like to tell you, I did my very best ninja move. I said, well, let's talk about this later. <laughs> um, our camp director, Bill Redmond, was a, a man who had God's heart. So I went to Bill and I said, hey, I got a kid down here and he says he can't give up his cigarettes. He's got to smoke. And Bill says, you know what? We can't help him if he's not there. 
we can't help him if he's not at camp. There, there's no way we can. Can we figure out a way to do this? So we, we found a way. I held on to the cigarettes, and when he wanted a cigarette, he had to come see me. And then what do we do? <laughs> we walked about 50 feet past the dorm to the orange grove so he could light up a cigarette and smoke. We found a way. That was the obstacle. Wednesday afternoon, I, I said to Fred, I said, hey, I got a little time. You want to go out to the orange grove? He said, no, I don't think so. Why don't you throw those cigarettes away for me? Kid was 15. Wow. All that week, the staff had been praying. All that week, the staff had been serving. All that week, uh, I mean, we, we, we went out of our way to, 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 to work with Fred and to encourage him. And, and boy, that was huge. Thursday night, we're at Vespers, and uh, the call comes at the end. And uh, who, who walks down to give their life to Jesus Christ but Fred? Friday night. Friday night. He said, I'm done with the past. Now I'm ready to be a new man. We baptized him in the lake. That wrecked me. I had a summer job. Thank you, Jesus. You wrecked it, though. Because the Holy Spirit got involved. I started serving. It became a ministry. And God used me. He used all of us to change a young man's life. He got rid of an addiction. And his eternity was changed forever. Wouldn't you like some of that? There's nothing better than serving. Taking people to Jesus. Fighting through the obstacles. Trusting God when there doesn't seem like there's a way. And then expecting him to do what he says. And then knowing that you are a part of changing somebody's past and their future. Got to take off, the, take off the bib and put on the apron. To serve. To carry people to Jesus. To let him do his work. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful story. I thank you for what it shows us. And Father, I am so thankful. Just as we sang today that you have always been faithful. You have always been so, so good. And Father, I, I just ask right now that you would work in our hearts and in our minds that we might be more than convicted that we would be moved to get up and say I want to serve I want to serve my neighbor I want to serve my co-worker I want to serve at Northridge I want to do something to bring people to pe people to Jesus Father I just pray you'll give us each the courage each the courage say, I, I, I want you to do that again in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kathy and I uh, 
took the week off kind of, we went to a retreat. It was a ministry leader retreat at the Windshape Foundation. It was an incredible week. And uh, we were there Monday through, through Friday. And uh, it, it was just ministering to ministry leaders. And so uh, Monday night, Monday night, and you guys, in case you don't know this, I write sermons in advance. So uh, what you're hearing today and, and what you might read on my blog were written a long time ago as soon as I got the assignment. And so we, we get there, and on Monday night, uh, the, the guy that's leading it, he goes to the story of these four guys digging a hole in a roof to drop somebody down. And I thought, well, that was pretty good. In fact, I, I told him, I said, you gave me some thoughts uh, to, to, to close out the sermon. And he said, oh, great, great. That's what I told him on Tuesday morning. What I didn't realize is this, the whole week was built around this story that I'm preaching about today. Coincidence? No. Act of God. He, he knew what I needed. And I think he knew what you needed. So Monday night, this is what we heard. There are two types of people. Two types of people. Those that carry mats. And those that are on mats. Those that are carrying the mats for those that are sick, broken, hurting, uh, wounded. And, and you know, there, there's a great need for mat carriers. But he says, there are also people that need to be on mats. Tuesday night, we were talking about it again. And this guy says, you know what I found in my life? I found in my life, the hardest thing for me to do is to submit and get on the mat. That was, that, that was a word right there. Can I just tell you? That was a word. Let me tell you why it was a word. He was in a wheelchair. He'd been in that wheelchair for 20 years. And he said the hardest thing for him to do was to get on the mat for the healing. And he said he had been healed. Well, Friday, we, we go to our small group and they, they gave us a mat. Can you believe that? They gave us a mat. Not quite big enough to carry somebody on, but it was a mat. And then Kathy and I were asked to hold it. She held one side and I held the other side. And, and, and uh, as she held it, they talked about, you guys are mat carriers because you're leading in churches, because you're doing what God asks you to do. You're serving. And they said, you're mat carriers. And then they asked us to put down the mat on the ground and stand on it. Really? And then I thought about Daryl's comment. Probably the hardest act of submission for him was to get on the mat. Stepped on the mat. Kathy there and I'm right here and they were gathered around us and prayed over us. The power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God was so active in bringing healing and, and, and helping. And, and, and I'll just tell you, when I'd read that story all the times before, I had never thought about me being on the mat. But I will tell you, every single one of us has that need. So today as we wrap up, I know some of y'all are bringing people to Jesus and you're doing it through prayer. And, uh, and, and I, just, I just tell you, 
I just tell you, keep doing it and keep bringing them. But then I also know this, is that we've got people that are carrying mats that are hurt, that are wounded. And uh, love to pray for you. Love to release the miracle working power of serving in your life. Um, so I'm going to put my mat down here. If anybody wants to stand on it, that's fine. If you just want to come forward and you need prayer today, if you're wounded, if you're hurt, um, if you're sick, no, I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to call on the name of God. Um, but this is it, folks. We have the same power to change people's lives. And if we would do the work of bringing people to Jesus, working through the, 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 the barriers, have a faith that is crazy and expect God to do great things, can I tell you what? We're going to rewrite history. And I want you to be a part of it. We're going to sing Waymaker. Jesus made a way for you. Will you make a way for somebody else? Will you... Will, will, Will you allow him maybe just to heal you as you stand on the mat? Whether you stand on this one or you do it symbolically. Let's stand, let's sing, let's let God minister to us. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.